morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T fam this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Mario, also known as the Node Defenders, joining us. And today we have one of the original guests on GMC, a man known for thinking outside the box and being at the forefront of this technological revolution. Showtime 2KX is in the building, ladies and gentlemen, so I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how the Federal Reserve is planning to have over 2 million Americans newly unemployed after claiming inflation is the enemy, not your central banking system. Ripple CEO Brad Garlinghouse posts a new Twitter thread explaining how there's no infrastructure in place to register crypto tokens at the SEC. While China is leading the globe in CBDC adoption after adding the digital wand to WeChat. Quant Network is adding support for the AVAX blockchain as Elon Musk explained how Twitter has the goal of becoming the largest financial institution on the planet. We break down the details showing our community how this digital transformation is set in stone. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, for the first time ever, my green screen was not centered for that whole introduction. But on a more important note, thank you for making time for us. How are you feeling, my friend? Feeling great, Abs. Always great to be here. It's great to see my man Mario. It's been a while. And my paisano, long time no see. Showtime in the house. Can't wait to hop into it. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Love you guys. I appreciate you guys every day. Awesome, guys. And we got the Node Defender joining us as well. Mario, coincidentally, great minds think alike. We're both repping the Merlin gear today. How you feeling, my friend? Thanks for making time for us. Feeling awesome, man. I'm blessed to be here. Uh, happy to be on with Showtime again. It's been, it's definitely been a while. And it's uh, it's giving me some vibes to the very beginning of Good Morning Crypto, which is awesome, which just made a year, right? So good morning, everybody. Everybody in the chat, Showtime, Johnny Abs. Love you guys. Let's get this started. Awesome, guys. And we got our very special guest, Showtime 2KX is in the building. Do us a favor, flex those biceps, and why don't you show people the Zeta Capital shirt you're wearing? That's an inside joke for all of our listeners. How you feeling, Showtime? Thank you for being uh, here. Doing well. Thanks for having me on, and congratulations on a year. You know, when I first came on, I thought this was a production that had been going on for years because of how well you guys do. So had no idea it was new at the time, and uh, that's just a testament to how great you guys run the show. That's amazing. Thank you, Showtime. And we're going to dive into this thing the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every member of our team. 10 followers away from 3,000. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning. So as always, we're skipping right past this thing, Johnny, and checking out some of the daily movers. Bonecoin is up almost 27%. Shiba Inu is up 7%. And XRP having a positive day up 5%. When we check out the total coin market cap, we're getting a red day across the board. We are sitting at $1.01 trillion. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at 22,200. Ethereum, 1,500. XRP up to about 40 cents this morning. Pretty exciting. Cardano is 32. And we'll scroll down to Quant Network sitting at 119. So another red day for Quant. Showtime. It's been a while since we had you on the show. So I got to go back to one of these original questions. How did you finish out the year of 2022? Everybody was anticipating that final leg and we got it with the FTX collapse. So let me ask you pretty bluntly, do you believe the worst of this market is behind us in 2023? We've got some positive days ahead. I think, you know, typically what we see is when we see markets going down, what do we see? Bad news. We see markets going up. What do we see? Good news. 
Personally, I believe the bad news, most of the vast majority of the bad news is behind us. I think we're not quite in a bull run, a full-fledged bull run yet. I think we still have some time away from that. I just think we're making our moves up in kind of like a bearish sort of um, cycle. But yeah, you know, 2022 was just one of those years from DeFi to Web3 to NFTs to FTX to pretty much everything in between, you know, Terra Luna. Um, bad year overall, and you could see that reflected on the charts. I think most of the bad news is behind us. I think we're going to start making our moves up, just kind of like in a very slow pattern. Tim Draper, Tim Draper seems to agree. He says he's 100% sure that Bitcoin is going to hit a quarter of a million dollars in 2024. I'm not sure I agree, Mario, but I'd like to get some of your thoughts before we dive into the show. One of these indicators on the next bull market is claiming if we get a 2x, we could go to about 150K. That may be a reasonable expectation, but to set people up for a quarter million dollar Bitcoin next year, I don't think that's going to be the case. But what do you think, Mario? Well, I think 250K was a very low target. If we go back in time to 2022, everybody was expecting, you know, half a million Bitcoin is it's going to go to the moon. And it's funny how sentiments change, you know, just like Showtime just mentioned, you know, when you're in an uptrend, you get all these positive news, you're in a downtrend, you get negative news. All of a sudden, those price targets no longer seem realistic anymore. But I believe that we will obviously get new highs. Uh, Bitcoin is going to set new highs eventually. It's going to happen. I'm not much of a chart analyst, so I don't really spend too much time analyzing the charts. I'll finish his sentence there. But guys, we've got an interesting video that I'd love to show you, Johnny Crypto. I'd like to get some additional comments from you. And then I'm going to show our listeners a video of Joe Rogan explaining why Bitcoin is necessary in today's day and age. Johnny, are you there? Or am I frozen as well? No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Nope, sorry. This, is, this is unorthodox. Guys. I thought you were going to so play sorry. a video. I was so impressed by Mario's uh, face there. By Mario's face. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on right now. I was impressed at how Abs finished the sentence. I thought that was perfect. And I, I wish you could have done the same video. for me, Johnny, but we're going to do this thing the same way we always do. I'm going to play this short clip and go yeah. right back to the group. Here we go. The entire reason we have oversight in banking is because of the simple truth that if you give your money to other people, eventually they'll try to steal it. Uh, that's it. So the answer is not build better systems to watch the people who hold your money. The answer that Bitcoin gives is don't let others hold your money. The Federal Reserve pumps more money into the economy, trillions of dollars since 2008. Since 2008. Well, let's remind people, Johnny, in 2020 alone, we increased the federal spending by 40%. 40% of all U.S. dollars that were ever created came from beyond 2020. So I'd like to get some thoughts from you, and then we'll kick it to showtime. Well, you know, the guy is actually spot on. I don't know why I don't know why Rogan was laughing when he said the word, you know, steal your money, because that is exactly what they do. But they don't steal it in a sense like you would conventionally think, like stealing your money out of your bank. They steal it by by devaluing the power of your money. So you buy less. Right. So if I can afford less, theoretically, I lost money. And that's because we put our faith in a system that allows them to basically print money at will, which when you print money at will, we all know what that does. That devalues your dollar or more importantly, steals your buying power away from you. And I think that's, I have no idea why I ain't wrestling. I ain't wrestling showtime. You see that dude's huge. No shot. Thank you guys. I go down for the one, two, three. Nice and easy. But no, so that's the, that's the truth. Abs. He's right. They do steal your money. And the thing about Bitcoin is guess what? 21 million. You can't reprint more. Yeah, I mean, unless everybody agrees to change the number, you really can't. And it, it holds. So therefore, it holds its value. I believe what that guy said was spot on.
Thank you, Johnny. And a new study actually confirms that people seem to have not learned their lesson from the centralized collapse of FTX. And Showtime, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. A new survey indicates that 89% of retail investors are comfortable holding their crypto with a custodian. That can be Coinbase. That can be any of the exchanges that exist today. What we've learned throughout 2022 is that these exchanges are not to be trusted. If you can hold your own crypto, if you can put it on a ledger and hold it for yourself, that is what we agree you should be doing. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts there. Why do you believe 89% of retail investors are still comfortable holding crypto on exchanges? I think it's a lack of education, right? A lot of people get into crypto for different reasons, but I think the vast majority of the population gets into crypto because they hear about it on TV. They see advertisements for it. Their friend told them about it, but they're not getting the proper education they need, right? And to me, it's not even uh, uh, whether you should. I think you need to get them off the exchange. I mean, guys, FTX... I've had um, friends as well as family that have crypto on Coinbase for a temporary period of time. And Coinbase just locks their account for no reason, right? I mean, I'm sure some of you guys have had that happen too. Um, get a ledger, get a treasure. There's all sorts of hardware wallets nowadays as well. But guys, holding it on an exchange is no longer an option. You must take it off the exchange unless you're doing a very temporary transaction. Mario, and I see the elites allowed you to come back on the exchange. So thank you for being back here. But we already got 198 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got Showtime 2KX in the building. And of course, this picture is a joke of FTX pitching to Kevin O'Leary on Shark Tank. But I do want to get your thoughts, Mario. Why do you believe almost 90% of retail investors still trust centralized exchanges? Is this about fear or is this about actually thinking they're making the best move? I think it has to do more with convenience than any of those two that you mentioned. I, you know, uh, crypto self-custody is still not really the easiest thing for somebody that gets into the market that doesn't really understand technology or let's say it's not a technology savvy person. Uh, so getting an account on an exchange and then buying and just holding it there is way easier than getting a ledger, setting it up, backing up your seed phrase, having that saved somewhere. And then, you know, having to plug it into your computer, put it, put in the, uh, the code every single time. I think the people that really understand crypto and want to, uh, take it to that extra level of being self, uh, self, a self-custodian, then those people are going to do it. But the average person, I don't think the average person is really doing that. And I hope to see more uh, development in, in that section. I hope to see like wallets become more user-friendly because that's what's going to help with the adoption. And so f- until, until the barrier to entry to those things gets put down, then I don't think that, we, uh, that we're going to see that change anytime soon. Johnny, I'd love to get some additional thoughts from you before we move on. 90% of people feel comfortable not custodying their own crypto. And I got to think a big part of that narrative is all of the fear the media has been pushing, not only stating that crypto is associated with nefarious activity or that you can have your hard keys stolen, but they just don't trust themselves to hold their own finance. A lot of people, they get their money, it sits in a bank account, and until they spend it, that's where it sits, right? So taking control of your own income is a big step for a lot of people. Could that be a hurdle for this market? Absolutely. At the end of the day, humans don't like change. There's no question. Just look at yourselves. Nobody wants to change. You, you, you have a certain habit that you're used to. When I buy stocks, I buy them on the exchange. Whether I use Charles Schwab or E-Trader, I don't take them off. I don't remove them. I buy them and they sit there. People buy a cryptocurrency on an exchange like they buy a stock and they're expecting to do the same thing. They just, yeah, I'm going to leave it there because that's what they're used to. And they don't understand that the difference right now between the 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 I guess maybe what it is the um, the backing or support behind a stock change 
versus a crypto exchange, right? And how these things can still be, they're not federally regulated yet. So I think once that happens and exchanges become safe to hold your crypto on it, you'll see many more people feeling more comfortable and many more people starting to adopt crypto because it's a pain in the ass to use a, a ledger. People are saying in the chat right now, they say, oh my God, is there an easy chat? It's not easy. You know, you got a lot of people, you got to connect it, you got to send it over, you got passwords, then you got to send it back when you want to sell it. It's not a simple thing. Most people are not going to do it. Absolutely, guys. And we're going to talk about how China is leading the world when it comes to CBD adoption. But first, we got 228 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out how Elon Musk knows the United States has to compete with Chinese technology. So China's WeChat has just added support for digital yuan payments to over 1.2 billion citizens. The largest Chinese social media network and instant messenger, WeChat, just added this CBDC payment application to its WePay, which is the latest update out of this entire network. More than 1.2 billion users will have access to this new feature and be able to spend the digital wand to pay for goods, services, and utility bills. About 750 million people are currently using WeChat every single day, and the ECNY payments are currently restricted to only 2,000 won per transaction, which is equal to about 290 American dollars. WePay becomes the second largest payment system to adopt the digital yuan, as Alibaba's group actually said they would be adopting this new technology in December of 2022. And what I, the reason we're connecting this to Elon Musk, Showtime, I'm going straight to you here, is that Elon Musk said he believes he can make Twitter the most powerful financial institution on the world by providing people with convenient payment methods. And we've seen him create PayPal. Now he's creating a similar product with Twitter. Open floor here, my friend. What does it mean to you, China's connections and Elon Musk statements? Yeah, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel, the the PayPal mafia, right? Uh, I have no doubt that he will um, create one of the larger financial institutions if he can create convenience. It's not going to be decentralized, so don't think it's going to be decentralized. It will be centralized. But if he can subvert the traditional financial system and allow the convenience inside of one of the largest social media platforms, he will absolutely do it. And I'm confident of that, so I don't doubt him on that. Um, Expects Doge or something, I'm sure, in that as well. But... Mm -hmm. um, yeah, as far as China is concerned, China is so far ahead of the United States, it's laughable. Um, not only do they have their CBDC, they're already tested one of the largest chat apps, right? So that just goes to show you how far behind we are. Not that we want a CBDC, but we know it's coming, right? So it's one of those things that it's um, it's a good with a bad, and they're just going to use blockchain technology, obviously, um, freedom technology in a way that's going to remove your freedoms. Absolutely. And Johnny, I'd love to get some thoughts from you. Elon Musk hasn't stated directly that cryptocurrency is going to be integrated, but we're seeing WeChat integrate a CBDC. If Elon Musk is going to create some sort of an American competitor to that, I would hope he would include decentralized currencies. So what does it mean to you? Open floor here. Well, that's going to be an interesting thing. It all depends on, on what kind of pressure he's going to get because everybody knows Twitter is huge. And he definitely wants to turn Twitter into WeChat. There's no question about it. It's probably why he bought it. So will he will he adopt it? You know, will he leave like like Matt said a Doge in there or something? Maybe. Uh, you know, it's very possible he may do something like that. But I think at the end of the day, uh, we will see, as Showtime said, we will see a CBDC in America at some point in time. It is scary, and we have been purposely. You know, Powell said it from day one. We were purposely, purposely going to be behind and slow in development CBDCs, and we we're going to everybody else take the lead. He said we want to go slow. We don't want to mess this up. The reality is. They just wanted, you know, to hand the baton over. And we saw China is way ahead right now in, in this technology and using it. Now, the kind of the good news for us is we're going to get to see how it's yielded. 
and, and how they use it. So it'll be really interesting. And, and that may drive some pushback if people start hearing things they don't want to hear, like, oh, your money expires. You can't save it. Oh, you can only spend it here. If they start doing that in China and we get wind of that here, that 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 could make a very interesting painful adoption process here in the U.S. So I'm curious to see how that plays Let out. Let me just ask you a follow-up question here, Johnny, and I'm going to kick it to Mario right after. You've always taught me when guys get big as Elon Musk, you can't really trust them. So I'm going to ask you straight up, do you trust Elon Musk? Is he actually working to bring in decentralized currencies? We know he's creating a Neuralink. That's a dangerous sign in and of itself. Oh, I love Musk. He's great. Yeah, he's great. Of course we trust him. <laughs> uh, well, it seems that you got to Johnny. Showtime, I'm kicking it right to you. Do you trust Elon Musk? Because I'd like to get a real statement. <laughs> you know the answer. A real statement. You know, Sorry, Johnny. Uh, no, I do not trust Elon Musk. As a matter of fact, uh, yeah, I, Johnny said it better than I said myself. The, you get that big to a certain point, you start to lose focus of who got you there, right? You lose focus of the people. You lose focus of – not that he's a politician serving the people, but the bottom line is the people got him to where he is. You're head over that many people in, in uh, um, Fortune 5, Fortune 500 companies. No, I at the at the size that he's at, with the influence that he's at, with what he did, in my opinion, to cryptocurrency, I don't trust him. Sorry, guys, got stuck on the mute button there, but absolutely, guys, we're going to show you the latest update from Jerome Powell this morning as Elizabeth Warren called him out for saying over 2 million Americans need to lose jobs before they turn on the printing press. This is the most important update for today because I want to remind our listeners – Every single time we've had an unemployment rate of an increase of 1% or more, America has fallen into a recession, and that is what they're trying to do right now. So we're going to play this short clip and talk about it. Here we go. If you continue raising interest rates as you plan, unemployment will be 4.6% by the end of the year. So it's just a consequence. Well, but it is, and it's in your report, and that would be about 2 million people. If you could speak directly to the 2 million who you're planning to get fired over the next year, what would you say to them? Inflation is extremely high and it's hurting the working people of this country badly, all of them, not just 2 million of them. And we are taking the, the only measures we have to bring inflation down. And putting 2 million people out of work is just part of the cost and they just have to bear it? Will, they, will, will working people be better off if, if we just walk away from our jobs and, and inflation remains 5-6%? Well, it's not as black and white as it very Just very look at the numbers. It actually yeah, is no, no. pretty black and white. It actually is pretty black and white. The Fed only has two tools that they can use. Turn the printing press on, turn the printing press off, and banks are going to have to lay off lay off employees if they don't have access to cheap credit. So Showtime, before we hear from the other members of the group, what did you think about Jerome Powell avoiding that question? Well, this is why Keynesian economics doesn't work, right? And that's, this is the reason why a lot of cryptocurrencies are built around Austrian economics, not entirely, but partially so, and why most people get into cryptocurrency because they want a finite supply rather than an infinite supply, right? Um, there's a great interview with uh, Jim Rickards and Robert Kiyosaki at the end of December. If you can go look it up, uh, I encourage you to do so. And Jim Rickards is one of those guys that when he talks, I listened. And he talks about how there is a base inflation rate that once they hit this base area, that actually inflation should take care of itself without them raising it and raising rates anymore. So um, it's one of those things where I think what's going to happen is the Fed is going to pivot too late. But I think they are going to pivot because they cannot continue this for much longer, in my humble opinion. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year, but I think what's going to happen is they're going to come in. It's going to be a hard landing. Absolutely. And I want to play the remainder of this clip before we go to Johnny and Mario. So check out what happens every time we raise the rates and fire people. 
mute button here. We've seen a one point increase in the unemployment in the unemployment rate in a year. How many times did the economy fail to fall into a recession after doing that? Out of 12 times. I think the number is zero. I think the number is zero. That's exactly right. Right now, the unemployment. So Johnny, right there, he said it himself. We need to get the unemployment rate to a certain percentage, but every time it gets there, the entire economy falls into a recession. So you please, please explain to me. I guess I'm not smart enough. Why is this the only solution to inflation? Well, first of all, let's let's get into, you know, we know what's going on here, right? This guy said it right here. This is let me grab my let me grab my ticket and remind everybody. This is what you need to remember that you're watching whenever you watch this stuff, okay? Because if you guys remember, it wasn't that long ago, maybe it was two weeks ago, where Elizabeth Warren had given a script to Gary and said, Hey, is it okay if you ask you this question? Oh, by the way, Gary, here's the answers, right? And I, I just want to know who wrote the script for this one. Because they got they got Elizabeth, you know, she gets to be the good guy in this particular WWE match uh, going after him. But the reality is, you're right. You said it earlier. There's only two tools, and they're really not good tools. Raising interest rates and lower interest rates is not the way to solve the problem. The way to solve the problem is, A, you don't artificially inflate money and then expect later to take it away. What you do is you let the things that are supposed to fail, fail. But they don't ever let that happen. Instead... Because they don't want to let that happen, and they, they they then put you through all these sine waves, if you will, of bubbles or scenarios where we go up and everything's great, it feels awesome, but they're really just you know pumping it up and creating a problem later on. So they did that in the past, you know, fourteen years. We've been raising rates and pumping money, free money. You've seen it. You've seen the money supply. It's 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 literally like that. It goes up like that on the chart. Well, that's unsustainable apps, and now. We're going to pay the price of that. You know, Showtime said something, you know, the interest rates are pretty high. Guess what? In the 70s, I remember going in the bank and seeing 12, 13 percent in the banks. So so who knows how high they're going to drive this thing up? Right. Will they go that high? That'll absolutely crush the economy. But Powell said until we get down to two percent inflation, he's going to keep pumping up. And we're not anywhere near a CPI two percent yet. So very, very dangerous where we're at. Very. It'd be very interesting how long he keeps us going. Matt, I'd love to give you, or Showtime, I'd love to give you a chance to respond. But one of the things Johnny brings up is the classic example of problem, reaction, solution. And the reason I showed the CBDC article before showing the Jerome Powell video is because I think this is a planned recession. We are about to go into a recession and they're going to bring us into a technology age where CBDCs are just part of the new economy. Not only does the Fed get more control because of that, it's beneficial to the infinite printing that's been going on for 100 years. So we got 338 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and showtime. I'd like to get a response to that. Is this a class example of problem, reaction, solution pushing us into a digital age? 100% Hegelian dialectic. There's no difference than when um, the Romans were clipping coins. And in my opinion, what's a little different about this is basically if you look at the events over the last couple of years that we can't talk about, um, this is a planned collapse to transfer us into the new system. And guess what is going to be transferred into all of that stuff they told you not to buy. All of the blockchain decentralization, DLT technology, freedom technology, cryptocurrency they told you not to buy will be absolutely 100 part of that system. And in my opinion, one of the vehicles used to transfer the elites right into that new system, once again, giving the middle finger to the rest of, uh, of us.
Mario, we know this is theater here because we got evidence at that point. Elizabeth Warren spoke to Gary Gensler in front of Congress this fall. The script was released on Fox News, and not only were they reading from a script, they did a great job. They read it word for word. So I'd like to get your thoughts. Is this another script playing out right in front of our eyes, or is Elizabeth Warren actually having a real conversation here with Jerome Powell? Uh, it has to be a script. I mean, if they do it before, why would they stop now, right? So it's it's got to be a script, and they just keep the people entertained. It's like what Johnny's showing right now. It's just good cop, uh, you know, bad cop, good cop. And they're just keeping people busy so they don't realize what's actually going on in the background. And I agree 100% with what Showtime said. You know, this is all towards bringing in that new financial system. We've been talking about it. Coach JV has been talking about it for a very long time. Um, CBDCs are coming. It's it's a no-brainer that that's going to have to happen. So this is the transition. We're transitioning to the new financial system. And um, it's just... These, these are special times that we're living through and we could look at it in a pessimistic way or we could look at it in a positive way where we can make decisions to impact our life. And so um, I think that there's good that can come out of it for us financially that we are aware and we can invest in these rails. And, uh, and so that's the way I would, I would uh, recommend people look into it. Absolutely. And it reminds me of the video that JV showed this morning where he said Jerome Powell in 2021 this just goes to show how much things have changed in the last 24 months. They said, if you don't follow specific medical protocols, there's no reason that you shouldn't be part of this unemployed class that's going to be laid off in the next 24 months. So feel free to connect the dots there. If you didn't comply medically, you weren't going to be able to exist in this new economy. Now, what do we have coming in? The BIS is projecting a central bank digital currency that's going to connect all of the nations around the planet into one financial system that is controlled by the Bank of International Settlements. So let's take it one step deeper here. And we found a little connection because we're about to dive into our Ripple news as Ripple is piloting CBDCs in the three countries that the BIS is currently working in. So Matt, or Showtime, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. What is your opinion on the BIS project iceberg and the Ripple connections that we have here? Is this all part of that same narrative? CBDCs are coming globally. Well, bottom line is I think what a lot of these articles, um, including this one, we can summarize to say, Hold your crypto. Hold on, hold them on exchanges, but hold your crypto, right? I know in this time, you, you know, we're we're living through these little cycles, right? That if you were to zoom out in 10, 20 years from now, it's going to look like a little cycle, right? So it, it's easy to be impatient. It's super easy to look at, you know, the um, uh, microeconomics uh, of the of you know where we are in blockchain and DLT right now. Bottom line is when I see stuff like this, it's like, guys, you are so early. You don't even know how early you are. You won't know how early you are until you're 15 years out from now. And you're going to look back and say, my gosh, I was so early. You just, you, it's hard to see it in the moment, right? So I'm encouraging everybody, please see in the moment where you are right now and how early you are. And realize when you see articles like this, hold your crypto. Obviously, it's not financial advice to do what you need to do. But guys, you're so early. Even if you sell, please don't sell at all. Absolutely. And Johnny, it's like you got you and uh, you and Showtime are reading off the same Italian script here. You say that every single day on this show. It's like one of the examples that we need to keep an eye on is who is building with traditional finance. And what do we see continuously in these conversations? It's many of our favorite projects. So although we disagree with the concept of a central bank digital currency, if we can provide some financial freedom for the people who have awareness, that's the only thing we can do. Right, my friend. So I'd like to get your thoughts as well. That's right, Abs. And not only do we disagree with it, but I don't know if you guys are keeping a close eye on the on the case study in Nigeria with the CBDC that they launched. But the citizens over there, they're rebelling right now. They are out in the streets. They are protesting. They do not like the rules that they have put on there right now. 
the CBD uh, adoption in, in Nigeria is failing badly. And it primarily, yeah, there you go, Abs. It is failing badly because I believe they, they, you know, they can only get, um, I think, $200 per day that they can actually take out in CBDC currency. And if you want to take out cash, you can only take out $40 a day. So they're like, revol- it's crazy. Yeah, there it is. So it is really, really bad. There's no question about it. So, again, as I was saying earlier, I think this whole concept of CBDC the, the 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 boys in charge know they've got to see how this is going to work, how far they can push it, what's going to happen. And so you're seeing tests and trials run, and then they'll bring some version of that, you know, here. Because if anything, you know, in America, that's where they're probably figuring they're going to get the most pushback. But I 100% agree with Showtime. I say it all the time. We are so damn early that it feels like we're late because we've been in so long. We're waiting for something. But again, as I said, Abs, these things don't take one year, two year, five year dot. No, look at when the internet started in 95. And it's really not fully flourished until 10, 20 years later. Right. Amazon became $3,300 stock, not in 1997, but in 2020, right. It took 20 years. These things take time. So a hundred percent agree with Matt. Hold your crypto. Don't you're going to sell. You better bring some of it with you in the future. Absolutely. And Mario, I'd like to get some thoughts from you as well. Then we're going to show our listeners a video of how XRP didn't need, or sorry, Ripple didn't need an ICO because XRP already existed. But we got 369 live listeners. I just like that number there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got an old friend joining us, Showtime 2KX. So go check out his content, YouTube, Twitter. You already know. But Mario, give us your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, on the thought of CBDC, I've already stated it here on the show many times. You know, it's an evil thing. It's it's a way that's going to allow the governments to control even more how the people are spending their money, uh, when they're spending their money. And it's, it, you know, I can't help but notice as well that they're they're releasing these CBDCs, you know, taking out China, obviously. They're releasing CBDCs in, um, like, lower lower developed countries, in countries that are not as as, as developed or that are smaller. And I can't help but think that that's all by design and that's all on purpose because it's happening as test trials to then come out in the masses in in the more developed countries. So it's going to happen. (laughs) We know it's inevitable at this point. You know, digital digital form of money has to happen. And the CBDC even just makes more sense from the perspective of how the government is going to be able to control, you know, where you're spending your, your dollars, how you're spending it, when you can spend it, you know, potentially even penalize you for for being a bad citizen which that's an even scarier thought but you know it's it's happening already in some places and the social credit score is not a thing of conspiracy it's really happening and if they implement the two together then that's the ultimate weapon of control for the government but you know it's let's see what happens Showtime, I'm going to play that video afterwards, but I got to go to you for some thoughts on this. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when the facts of 2020 changed into opinions and right. What was considered misinformation and fake truths during the 2020 pandemic is now coming to fruition as many of those things were not true. Right. Or at least they were debatable. And so what happened is people were being penalized for having those open conversations, calling it dangerous misinformation or stating that this information harmed other people. When the reality is if an idea is so false that it shouldn't be spoken, it should be easily proven incorrect, and the dialogue should be allowed to be had. My biggest concern here, and one of the reasons I'm having this whole dialogue, is because if you were making those statements that are now truths, back when they weren't considered truths, and we had a social credit score, or we had a CBDC, not only would they be able to mute you, take you off of these platforms, the next step is they'd be able to stop you from purchasing with a central bank digital currency. So maybe you can just give us some of your open thoughts there. What does that mean to you? Is that something coming to America? 
Uh, well, I can't give you my open thoughts. And that kind of answers part of your question already, right? Um, I believe everybody's essential. Okay, I'll just say that. I'm going to say that right now. So we were told people aren't essential. We were told your opinion is so against what I believe. And I control the media and I control the tech industry that you're not going to even be allowed to say. As a matter of fact, I'm going to de-platform you. Okay, we saw this. Um, combined with this, you're not essential, right? And we know everybody's essential. So the bottom line is there are narratives pushed at certain times for certain reasons, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's financial news or whether it's inflation or whether it's a cryptocurrency, whatever they want to corral you to believe. So I always say there's nothing wrong with questioning everything, right? Come to a conclusion, but there's nothing wrong with questioning everything. Bottom line is CBDCs are coming here. And it's one of those things where blockchain and DLT was created to be a freedom technology. It will be used against us. It's a fact of reality, just like the internet is now used against us. Hence the reason I can't quite answer your question fully. So again, with freedom comes a removal of part of your freedoms. And that's just with technology, when you have people in control, that's just kind of the way it tends to work out. It's like they often say, in order to get safety, you have to sacrifice some of your freedom. So how much of that freedom are you willing to sacrifice to live in this society here? But guys, we got 365 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. It is the smartest way to track your crypto, Johnny, and I'm looking forward to our launch. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say the date, so I'm going to just give you 30 seconds, open floor. Why don't you let our people know everything they should? Yeah, so Abs, that's great. We're still got the, the, the launch um, waitlist. So hop on that waitlist, guys. Click on the link below. We're getting very close. We're in testing phases right now, um, but we don't want to be Solana. We're not going to launch something that crashes on you. So, uh, you know, it may be another month or two, but we're going to do it right, take our time, and when we when we launch it, we'll feel confident that – um, it can deliver on what it has to do for everybody. So, guys, um, sit tight. It's coming soon. Get on the wait list. And uh, and we also send out a newsletter every two weeks so you can uh, get access to that as well and see what's happening. We give updates during that as well. And the biggest question we've been getting about Merlin, Johnny, is do we custody your crypto? No, we do not custody your crypto. So I want to make that very clear. We are not a Coinbase. We are not a, a Crypto.com. We're just helping you execute within this market. But with that being said, I want to give an update from Brad Garlinghouse. And this is very exciting news for everybody in the XRP community. As Brad tweeted out, it's only Tuesday, but shaping up to be a not so great week for the SEC. So we're going to dive into why he believes that to be the case. After I play about 30 seconds of this interview from earlier this week, then we'll get some comments from Showtime. Bringing the case against Ripple is not really just a case about Ripple or about XRP. It's really about the industry and how the SEC is kind of playing offense and attacking the whole industry. Two and a half years ago when this started, I'm not sure everyone fully digested that. And now that is widely understood. 
this is going to be pivotal for the whole industry because if the SEC is able to prevail, I think there's a lot of other cases, and some of them just in the last four weeks, I think they brought five additional enforcement cases. The macro headline for me is this is not a healthy way to regulate an industry. Your regulation through enforcement, as opposed to where we're seeing in other countries where they're doing the work, right? They're codifying, they're creating a framework that allows an industry to grow while protecting consumers. And I think that's really what the U.S. is lagging. And some of you why I'm here in Washington is to continue to try to evangelize and educate. You know, here's how these technologies can really benefit consumers, benefit industry. And I think they do understand that behind the scenes, whether it's Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Chase Bank. All of these people understand the, uh, the advantages of using blockchain, but they don't like the idea of decentralized currency. So Showtime, I'm going to kick it to you. And then Johnny, what's it mean? Brad said something. They don't want to do the work. Come on, Brad. <laughs> these guys don't want to do the work. Come on, man. Yeah, you know, um, it's interesting because, you know, I look at the SEC versus Ripple case, not as the SEC versus Ripple. I look at it as the SEC versus cryptocurrency, the SEC versus blockchain, the SEC versus DLT. Even if you don't like XRP, even if you hate and you can't stand Chris Larson and Brad Garlinghouse and Ripple and all this kind of stuff, you should be cheering for them to win. Um, you're seeing all these other enforcement actions, as he said, um, being taken against other projects. That's not the way that you create regulatory clarity. That is um, that is the, the exact thing that you do when you're trying to create confusion, right? And they are, of course, we've talked about how China is ahead of the United States. They are forcing companies to leave the United States. And I would not be shocked if Ripple... You know, if there's a, a negative outcome, which I know we're all hoping it's not going to be the case, if they wouldn't leave the United States and the United States suffers and so do the people, right? Because we're not getting the innovation that we should be getting. And I think they understand that, right? And we had a discussion earlier in the episode about the coordinated bringing in of central bank digital currencies globally. Well, if coincidentally, there's an attack on decentralized currencies, Johnny. And I want to read this tweet before I kick it to you as Brad Garlinghouse doubled down on those statements from the interview. He said the headwinds keep growing with the SEC declaring a war on crypto as Chair Gary Gensler continues to harp that firms simply need to come in and register. But the truth is there's no infrastructure in place for anyone to register a token to trade nor clarity to see what these tokens are. So they're not even open to having a discussion. They're saying, bring us your rule book so we can then penalize you for that, Johnny. I'd like to get your thoughts. Yeah, you know, Brad is smart right on. By the way, I just realized I think Brad is copying the same beard I got going there, Abs. But uh, just just Dad, for the record. You're, you're very similar. You guys are some similar guys. <laughs> I think I think he's copying you. So, sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, you know, Brad's spot on here that, you know, Gary keeps saying, come on in, come on in. And every time we say come on in, when they go out, pow, they get slapped with a lawsuit. So, like, why are you going to keep coming in? And listen, take it from this guy who's been there and done it, and he's telling you, they're telling you come in, right? Okay, so they're coming in. And then they're realizing there's nothing, there's nothing to do. You get there and you're just, it's an investigation panel. There's no way to apply. There's no you know, you know procedures or processes on how to register a security or a token. And that is a big problem. What Brad is trying to say is, guys, we need to fix this. Now, the thing is, the way to fix that is Congress really are the ones that, you know, in case anybody doesn't know, anybody didn't go to school, Congress makes laws in this country. They can fix this problem. And we know they, they, how long apps have they been? How long now have they been talking about regulation? What, two years? Yeah, two more years. than that. Almost two and a half. That bill's floating around. Hello, what are we doing? Why are we sitting on it? So it tells you that the powers that be have decided they're not ready yet to regulate this. And when they're ready, I think, um, oh, I almost said, Showtime, when Showtime said it earlier, 
you know, there there will be a time when they're ready when they want to flip that switch. And then, you know, like he's saying, you know, now they're telling you don't don't use it, but all this stuff will be used later. It's just they're not ready yet. And so that you know, scare everybody, keep everybody out, keep everybody away until the time is right. And then all this goes away, apps. The rules will be in place. The Brad, the, this XRP case will be over, or Ripple case will be over. All the things will fall in place when the time is right. Don't ask me when the time is right. I don't know, but it's probably somewhere between you know 2025 and beyond. And this is why we may see a mass exodus for crypto companies in the United States, Mario. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get some of your thoughts here as well. If you want to regulate, then regulate, says Brad Garlinghouse. Put in the hard work to build a framework and set guidance. And Showtime just explained they aren't willing to do the work. So we clearly got a conflict of interest here. Explain it, Mario. What's it mean to you? Well, I think there's a bigger agenda for sure. There's no way that these guys in power, one, I don't think that it's a scenario where they don't want to regulate. And two, I don't think it's a scenario as well that they they aren't smart enough to know what the industry needs. I think that's just... There is definitely a, a different agenda. They're pushing this back. They're delaying it, um, whatever the reason may be, you know, because of adoption or, you know, in implementation of the CBDC, keeping people distracted, whatever that case may be. I don't know. But I definitely don't think that the United States as one of the most advanced countries in the world is um, not seeing blockchain as as the innovation that it is or the future that it is. I think there's there's a different agenda. Um we know what what Brad Garlinghouse said. You know, we knew that this was a, an attack on crypto from day one. And you know, I keep saying this: Who are we? Right? We're just regular people here, uh, documenting our journey in, in the space, and we're just giving our opinion. We've got people that are way in inside of the system. How do they not know? How do they not see it? Now, how does a company like Coinbase not see that this could be dangerous for the whole industry when they came after Ripple uh, for the sale of XRP? I, I just that mind boggles me. And the fact that now all of a sudden they're starting to come together and, and, and backing up Ripple, even though it's great and all. And I, 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 I think it's awesome. The fact that everybody's starting to come to their senses. I just I can't help but think that the, the, the there's a different agenda there. And I'm sure they knew this at the beginning, but something else was or they were just scared. But something else was preventing them from from getting involved. And we've highlighted this before, but I want to get your thoughts on this showtime. As Thinking Crypto, one of the friends of our channel, broke down why Gary Gensler may be so confident in regulating crypto, stating that this attack was greenlighted from the Biden administration and the president of the United States. This is why you're seeing the SEC and CFTC, as well as other agencies, all targeting crypto in parallel and doing what they can to bring them into traditional finance. Now, obviously, you can debate the inside sources narrative because we're not going to be able to figure out who have these quotes. When I look at what's happening in the forefront, I do think Gary Gensler and other agencies are just bringing crypto into the guidelines of traditional finance. You're going to see JP Morgan, Bank of America custody and crypto. And I think that Gary Gensler knows that to be the case. So do you believe this is an attack on crypto? Is this a narrative to get us into traditional finance? I believe so. I, you know, if you look at the way a lot of these people operate, they create ways out for them, but not for you. Okay. They're not going to give you and I a way out, or at least they're not going to make it super obvious if they do. And again, I believe that cryptocurrency is that vehicle for these people to get out of the system when they do crash it intentionally to create a new system. You know, we're talking about regulatory clarity. I guarantee you that the moment there's bail-ins, bank runs, capital controls, there will be regulatory clarity so fast it'll make your head spin, right? Because now they're ready for it. They're not ready for it right now. It's a, it's like what Mario was saying. <laughs> Thanks, Johnny. It's like what Mario was saying. It's not that they don't know how to. 
right? As dumb as we may think a lot of these people are, they're not that dumb, okay? They know exactly how to regulate this if they need to. They could pass laws within the next 60 days to solve all these problems. They could have done it five, six, seven, eight years ago. They're not ready to do it. When they're ready to do it, it'll happen so fast. You'll wake up and all of a sudden there'll be clarity, magically. We're getting indications of that right now as Brian Armstrong showed a very, very telling interview yesterday speaking about the big banks that have already approached Coinbase to discuss custody services. Everybody from you know JP Morgan, Visa and MasterCard, Franklin Templeton, they're all have, they have projects and, and teams internally working on how to integrate crypto into their services. And I think the reason for that is that, you know, 80% of Americans are not happy with the current financial system as it is today. They think it's, it's too slow. The fees are too high. It doesn't serve everybody equally. And a lot of the technology was built 40 years ago. The laws were 100 years ago. And so people are really excited about how crypto as a technology can help improve and update the financial system. And that's why that's why we're here at Coinbase. We want to make sure that we enable that as well. Coinbase is looking to take custody services away from people like us and put it in the hands of the big banks. I'd like to get some of your thoughts, Johnny, and then we'll continue. That's exactly right, Abs. That's what's happening. He just told you. He just told you. They're all looking to work with them to do it. It's What have I been saying on the show all the time? It's about them getting their claws into it. Once they got their claws into it, Sure, they're gonna let it go. They don't care because they're gonna because right now, think about this, Abs. If you own the system, right? Say you let's say you were running the monetary system today, and you now know there's a threat of other monetary systems around you that you may or may not be able to stop. What would be the next logical logical thing you would do? You would stop the ones you could and the ones you can't, you'd make sure you have a piece of it. And as long as you got a piece of it, right? Am I right? So you'd be like, okay, all right, then that's fine. Then if you operate on my system. That I have today, great. If you don't want to operate now, when you operate now, it don't matter. I got a piece of that too. And I think that's what we're we're witnessing, or that's what we're we're seeing here. We're living it. We're living and breathing it because we're so damn early into this. We're actually getting to feel and see what's happening and how this thing works. Um, so at the end of the day, yeah, it's like 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 Showtime says, hold your crypto. That's the key. That's really the message here. Buy and hold for now, baby. Johnny, and one of our listeners commented, I hope that these cryptos take off so I can become a millionaire. Then I won't be normal. Well, here's what I can promise you. If you're listening to a podcast like this, you are not normal. You are open-minded, my friend. And there's 353 live open-minded people out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mario, give me some of your thoughts on Coinbase bringing us into this age of centralized cryptos because they already made some bold statements about bringing in decentralized digital identities. Yeah, well, this is another thing that's happening. And, you know, there's a lot of clues like all these financial institutions, banks and and technology companies, they're hiring for block. I think oh, you man. lost me there for a bit. Yep, we got you back. We got you back. <laughs> but uh, my back. OK, cool. So I was saying, you know, they're hiring for all these blockchain positions and that's happening for a reason. They wouldn't be spending money bringing in people with the expertise if they didn't have a game plan, if they didn't think that it was worth it. Not to mention the patents that are being filed. And I think there's a battle in the background going on about who's going to get there first. You know, the banks, they don't want to run out of business. They want to continue. And so, therefore, they're going to continue to innovate and try to find that spot in the market where they can fit in and potentially come out as winners. And so, blockchain is definitely going to be integrated. Um, Kraken is definitely trying to get into becoming a bank. These exchanges are getting closer to being a bank than ever before because essentially that's what they're doing. They're custodying your crypto just as, just like banks custody your, your money. And so we're just getting that step closer. I mean, I think there is positives. There is cons, obviously. 
But ultimately, I do believe that the future will be more centralized than decentralized. But there, but it's good to see that now we at least we have an option to be decentralized if we wish to be decentralized, right? We can hold our own crypto. And I just hope that doesn't get taken away from us. And this is what the Coinbase survey revealed, Johnny. This It says, what percentage of active customers do you believe are doing something other than just trading crypto on Coinbase? That would be 50% of people are also using some kind of DeFi protocol within the Coinbase ecosystem. So it's pretty cool to see that we're moving beyond just the phase of uh, crypto being used as money and trading. We're getting some real use cases out of it. And that's what he's hinting at here. He said, once you have decentralized identities, you can connect them with a social graph and make decentralized social networks. The ENS, that's a foundation component so that people's identities doesn't have to be known by a big tech company. So supposedly what they're creating here is a way to validate your identity without showing who you are through a unique set of questions and, and answers that you'd have to provide. So I'm not really sure if I explained it well. Hopefully I did. No, I did. I get it. And, you know, this goes back to actually what my man Mario was just saying is, is there, will they let this exist? Because this is a way to play outside the system. And that's really, to be honest with you, as Jessica always says, the question is more important than the answer. That's that's the question. What will the abs? If we can fast forward three years from now, what will decentralization blah, look like three years from now versus what you you told yesterday? We just talked about how SEC is coming after Bitcoin miners. Right? If, it up, if it was up to the regulators, it'd look like a dead body. Yeah, that would hundred percent right. Can't disagree with that at all. That's exactly what it would be. But what I think is going to happen is it'll be an 80% dead body. I think they'll kill most of it, but there'll be a little bit of crumbs, a little bit of stuff outside the system that will be allowable you know, for the people who are savvy enough. Because as we talked earlier in this show, people are lazy, and people don't trust things that aren't blessed by the sources that they believe in. right? And so they need to hear the JP Morgans and the Chases and the Charles Swaps all saying, hey, it's safe to play here. And that's where 90% of the people are going to play. Then there's going to be 10% like Mario and, and Academies. And I don't know what he's saying, but I can't read sign language. His, but mic, anyway. his mic is oh, out. His mic is out. Gotcha. Okay. You're uh, the host now, Johnny. Take over. I guess oh, I'm the host. So, Matt. Matt, oh, good. You're back. So, so Matt, yeah, at the end of the day, I think, you know, we're going to have to see where that plays plays out. Matt, any thoughts from your perspective on on on, on this topic? Yeah, my my camera went dead, so I we're all having problems today. My camera had some weird. I'll try to get it back on in a few minutes. Um, yeah, so so you know, in um, traditional IT um, security, when it comes to um, you know like security password protocols and things of that nature, you typically have um, what you know, what you have, and who you are. Right. So we see seed phrases, what you know, hardware walls, what you have. Now we're moving towards identity of who you are. And I think the identity part of this is actually part that a lot of people are not seeing when it comes to decentralization. Um, we're going to see this more in social media play out. I think Elon Musk will, will lead that charge. We're seeing this more with um, biometrics that will be on the blockchain. We're seeing it migrate to the identity and the person. I mean, I've even seen NFTs being created of people. <laughs> Crazy enough, right? Social credit score. Again, this will be tied to you on the blockchain. Uh, I can go further than that, but you can kind of already see the grim picture that it, uh, that it paints. Although, you know, that again, I agree with the classic 80-20 rule, right? It will be 80% um, uh, 
centralized in my opinion and 20% decentralized. We just have to hope that the, those in the decentralization camp kind of, um, you know, work hard to kind of, you know, push that agenda forward. Awesome guys. And I am back. The elites couldn't keep me off this show and I'm going to bring you the latest nice. update from the XRP case because Stuart Alderati put out some bold statements against the SEC and painted what's going on in a very positive light. He said specifically, not only the SEC's expert on reasonable expectations of an XRP purchaser was taken off the record, but so was their expert that tried to say what caused the price of XRP to change on the flip side. Our experts explained how Ripple's contracts clearly differ from the Howey test and how in all four elements, it should not be treated like a security. Well, Johnny, check this out right here. The one thing that really caught my attention is that they removed the man responsible for explaining that why the price of XRP changed due to the relationship with Ripple. So they said that that argument was not good enough to be included in the case. And that's one of the key three prongs of the Howey test. So what that tells me as somebody with no law degree and no experience whatsoever is this is a very positive um, news for Ripple because there's there's only going to be a settlement. There can't be an outright win unless they're able to prove that claim. So again, no law experience, but after reading about this for months, seems like a big deal. What does it mean to you, Johnny? Abs, no, 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 no. It's a it's it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. It's actually strike number two, um, because the first warrant in this, Mr. Duty, which we talked about yesterday. I didn't make up that name. He's just full of it. But Mr. Duty was also struck out because he was there to show. Um, you know, Ripple's expectation and price gain. And then there was, um, you know, they're also trying to get rid of Deaton, as you have right here. So there, there was a couple big strikes against them right now. That If you were keeping score early on in this case, you just said something so important. I'm not a legal guy either. But I do know for you to win a case or lose a case, there are certain rules or laws that are out there and you have to meet each one of those. And you're right dead on, Abs. Right now, by striking out that those witnesses it's going to be it makes the sec's job a lot harder now here's the problem it goes back to what i said when we had bitboy on the show a few months ago if we end up winning the case or ripple wins the case or you're right well what that means is now the very next within a minute the sec is going to appeal it right and we're going to go to the net and now that's going to drag on for six months or a year and then it, depending on that that could get reappealed to the supreme court so again like I said, we could be sitting on two years. I don't want to see a win in this case. I know people are going to say I'm nuts. I want to see a settlement. I want the SEC to come out and say, yep, okay, we, yep, fine. You were a security back then. Pay a, pass a penalty. But going forward, you're not. That is the best case scenario for anybody who's an XRP holder because that ends the thing quickly. If we don't get that, we're probably two more years into this case. That's my, my best guess. Johnny, we got 370 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Somebody, I commented and said, my mouse died. Somebody said, poor mouse. I meant the electrical <laughs> one, guys. So <laughs> I do not own a mouse, but Showtime, I'd like to get some closing remarks from you here. What do you think about all this XRP news? And just, just give us the open floor. All of this being exposed right now, it's pretty exciting for, for our group. Well, you know, it's just like Johnny said, it's entertainment. What we're seeing is the actors. And we're seeing the actors are... Um, being put in a position where the script is uh, something they can't always follow, right? So um, the king has no clothes, as they used to say, right? So, um, no, you know, I, I know that this um, um, decision from the judge, I, it's some people debated, is it a win for Ripple? Is it a win for the SEC? I think it's an absolute win for Ripple. Um, not having this 
expert witness being able to come on and say nonsense like, oh, yeah, you know, Ripple's announcements caused the XRP price to go up, which we all know. Every time Ripple announces something, the price of XRP just skyrockets. You know, I'm, I'm being sarcastic because it never happens. Right. But he was going to come on and say a bunch of nonsense like that. So, again, uh, win for decentralization, win for cryptocurrency and, of course, win for Ripple. Absolutely, Showtime. And I'm going to show this. I'm going to close this episode out with a very, very telling clip. This breaks down exactly why XRP never had an ICO because Ripple, they didn't need it to. Here we go. The distinction is the XRP ledger existed before Ripple, the company. You can, you know, it's a public blockchain. You can go back and see kind of transactions 0, 1, 2, 3. You can see when Ripple is incorporated in the Secretary of State in California. Uh, it, Ripple didn't create the XRP ledger. The XRP ledger had utility prior to Ripple's existence. And Ripple took advantage of that technology. And that's a massive difference from what we've seen with other projects, whether it's Cardano or Ethereum. And I hold these currencies. I'm not I'm not penalizing the fact that they had an ICO. I'm just stating if the SEC is going to go after a company like Ripple, which never had a formal ICO, why are they avoiding other top 10 cryptocurrencies that clearly went through that process? Showtime, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. I think the way the case was brought against Ripple, we would all agree, was so suspicious and so fishy. And we don't even need to go into everything that happened because we all know what happened, right? So I think they targeted somebody they didn't like. They targeted somebody that had a use case. And the others have use cases, right? But it's very clear that Ripple was the greatest threat at the time for whatever reason. And again, I think it's to delay things. We spoke about this earlier. It's not time for Ripple. It's not time for XRP. So how could they stop it from getting to the point where they were probably building um, very quickly, right? They had to file some lawsuit. Now, whether it's a, a theater to the degree where both sides are in on it, we don't know. But the bottom line is it is theater. And there's a reason why the others are not being going after us because they're not the threat. Ripple's the threat. Absolutely. And Johnny, I'd love to give you a chance to close this out. How do you feel about Showtime statements there? And then feel free to add whatever you think is necessary. I feel like we said the same thing. <laughs> I couldn't agree more with him. A hundred percent spot on. Uh, I guess the only thing thing I would add there is that um, you you notice that in the past, anything that was attacked by the SEC, Amazon, Tesla, Microsoft, what happened when those things finally got settled? Oh baby, if you own them, you had a strap on your seatbelt because they took off like a rocket eventually. So I think the good news here is eventually, at some point, the case will end. We'll no longer be talking about it. And it won't even matter if it's a security or not a security because all that will go through all the price action that has to shake out the weak hands. And then once there's clarity, either way, that's why I almost think it isn't going to matter. I know some people disagree with me. That's okay. But no matter what it is, security, not security, when the clarity comes, that then gives the confidence for people to invest. And I think that's what you'll see. And this thing will, this thing will explode and skyrocket. And as somebody said, yes, we'll probably all be, you know, maybe millionaires or multimillionaires. So it'll be very exciting times. Mario, we said it earlier this week and we'll say it again. The kiss of death from the SEC seems to be a blessing in disguise. Whenever mm -hmm. the lawsuits are over, those companies go through about 12 to 24 months of extremely profitable trading. And we actually saw it in the cryptocurrency sphere as well with the library case. After library settled with the SEC and they agreed initial sales were a security, they're priced 3x in the next 24 hours. Now, that is not what we believe will happen with XRP. But what we're stating is regardless of the resolution, we should get some positive price action. So just to close this out for today, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that will happen. I agree. Uh, because I think that what's creating this suppression is a mixture of fear and uncertainty. And, you know, if, if it does come to a conclusion and it's determined that XRP is a security, but there's a form if there's a form of clarity, then you know, that could cause a positive reaction to the price. 
but if it's not determined as security, that could that could be an equal uh, positive uh, price action for XRP. So I agree with that 100%. We just need something to happen. And I hope that at least this creates like a, um, a first foundation for framework within the crypto space. That would be something positive that could come out of this. Absolutely. And Showtime, I'd love to just give you a chance to tell people where they can find more of your content, some of the things you're talking about. And yeah, just close us out. Thank you for making time for us this morning. We always appreciate when you join us. Thanks for having me on. It's been a little while since we spoke, but I always love coming on with you guys. Um, yeah, Showtime2KX on Twitter, um, the chief communications officer of Zeta Capital. Uh, we bridge uh, decentralized finance and traditional finance with high-frequency trading and different financial instruments that typically the average person can't get. So obviously, ZetaCapital.com. Uh, we got a Discord, a Twitter, a YouTube, the whole nine yards. That's amazing. And we're going to throw that in the link down below, guys. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Mario. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Showtime himself. We got 352 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us.